You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. You know, in our life, some of the songs we sang today talked about mountains and how great God's love is to move us through those mountains. We talked about struggles and God meeting us in the midst of those struggles. Today, what I want to talk about is a reality that I think we struggle to believe. And it's this, regardless of how big the mountain appears, no matter how massive the struggle feels, no matter how much we've been hurt and the wound feels deep, that is not nearly as powerful as we make it. That's one truth. The second truth I want to teach today is that we are much more powerful than we believe. So, A... Our problems aren't as strong or as bad as we think. And B, it's because we are much more powerful than we will ever understand. And the story, the backdrop I want to speak to us about this today is the story of David and Goliath. It's a familiar story. Erase everything that you've heard about it. I'm going to reset the stage with that in mind. I want to begin, though, with just prior, in 1 Samuel, we read just prior to the story of David and Goliath, the story of David being anointed as king, and what happens there. This is where we, we, we see two kind of famous Old Testament verses that set up this idea that we are much more powerful than we believe and that our, our enemies are much less powerful than we think, okay? It says this. So Samuel, God's called Samuel. He's saying, Saul's acting like a jack wagon. We need to replace him. He goes, it's going to be one of Jesse's sons, all right? And so... Samuel goes to Jesse, says, get all your sons out, and he's going through them. He's getting ready, and Eliab is the first one, and, and, and Samuel's like, first one, it's going to be easy. This guy's a stud. It's going to be awesome. Game over, done. I can you know, go, go home, all right? And this is what happens. When, when they came, he looked at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, how big he is. Because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Okay? And so we're getting a glimpse into what we're to look towards when we are facing our issues. We're getting a glimpse of where our power comes from as well. Because we read next. What happens next is he goes, that's that's son number one. He goes through two, three. And they all have funny names. I'm not going to say them all. And then the Lord rejects every one of them. And and Samuel's like, dude, do you got any more sons? I said to get all your sons. And obviously, Lord, is his wife pregnant? What's going on here? And uh, he says, no, I have one more shepherd that's out in the field watching the flocks by night. No, he didn't say that. But that's where he was. And this is what happens. David comes in on the scene, right? And it says this. Then Samuel took the horn of oil. The Lord said, uh-huh, this is the one. So, the Lord take, so Samuel takes the horn of oil and anointed him, poured it on him in the midst of his brothers. You know, that's setting up rivalry right there. If I'm David, I'm like, yeah, God, thanks for nothing. I remember what happened to, you know, Joseph. Yeah, thanks for nothing. Anyway. This is, what, this, is what, this is what I want to teach on, though. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose and went up to Ramah. And so, again, we see in the story of David and Goliath, not an ordinary human being in the Old Testament, but one of a select few 
who God had chosen to fill with the Spirit. Now, that's relevant for us. Why? Because as believers in baptism, what are we celebrating in an adult baptism? People who have been filled with the Spirit of God and have the fruit in their life. And so we, like David, have had the Spirit, if we follow Jesus, if we're following Jesus, if he's our Lord and Savior, we too have been filled with the Holy Spirit. So we, like David, can look to the Lord for the similar things and experiences that he had. And we go on and we read this just in the next chapter. Because what happens after David is filled with the Spirit is the journey of God preparing him to be king. It's the journey of God teaching him how to depend on him. The journey of God growing David's faith. All right? And so that happens. David goes back into the wilderness with his sheep, and that's where the training begins. Story of Goliath, the story of David and Goliath picks up here. I'm going to do some rephrase. Don't wait. There's, there's a lot of scripture up there. People are going to confuse them. There we go. So this is what happens. I wanna, there's a lot of scripture in the story of David and Goliath. I'm just going to hit on certain points of it. But this is basically the Philistines, the sworn enemies of Israel, are coming down the ridge of these mountains trying to take over the nation of Israel, right? And Saul, they're trying to cut through right in the middle of Saul. And they come upon this valley, okay? But they don't want to go into the valley because if you go into the valley, what happens? You lose your strategic positioning, okay, in war. And so on the south bank, we have one army. And on the north bank of the mountains, we have the, the other army. The Philistines on the north, and I think the south, or the Israelites, okay? But they're both just sitting there. And they're like, I'm not going down. I'm not going to the valley. Because if I go into the valley, I'd go back up the other side to fight who, and they're going to slaughter us. I mean, they're going to kill us. I mean, imagine if you guys are the Philistines. And my wife is an Israelite with the Israelites on the winning team. And there was a big valley in here. And you're like, oh, here we go. You would never go down into the valley and then have to fight up this way. Because they just had like spear donkey on the head. You die, you die, die. Cut your head off. Bye. And you would just kill them. It would be easy. I'd kill all y'all if I could like that. If you, you came at me and I'm up on the ridge, I'd hit you with a big hammer or something. It'd be easy. And anyone who knows anything about warfare would know that, okay? Okay, so they're both up there. They're in a stalemate, and they're waiting. Food's probably running out. They're getting tired. They've got to go to the bathroom. They're using up all the trees are gone, right? So in war back in the day, and even today, one of the things that happens is they'll have a duel, and what, they, what happens in a duel is one army will send their Tommy Tough guy down into the valley and be like, yo, 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 Israel, look at me. I will challenge you one-on-one, mano y mano, winner take all is what happens. And so that's what the Philistines do. They choose this way forward because no one's moving. So they send, who do they send down? Goliath, freaking giant. That's who they send down. Six foot nine plus, huge, wearing all this armor. I mean, armor that weighed 100 pounds. He's towers over anyone. He's awkwardly tall. He's the gangly guy running down the basketball court. And you're like, gosh, how is he? This is the guy. I mean, but he's muscular and huge. I mean, he is, it, 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 he's huge. That's all I'm gonna say, all right? So he gets down there and he's challenging the Israelites. He's like, come on, let's go. If you... 
If I defeat you, then your nation, all of your nation, will be slave to me and my people. But if you beat me in battle, then we will be a slave to Israel. Okay? So that's the duel. So this is what happens in the story. So the story goes, we're not going to have time to read it all, so you just got to trust me that this is in the Bible. I'm not lying to you, okay? So as the story goes, it goes like this. It's First Samuel 17. So what happens is, so God says this, and he's kind of taunting them. And what, what do you think the Israelites do? They're looking on him, and they're like, holy shnikes, this dude is huge. He is going to kill any one of us. Much, he'd probably kill 10 of us if we go down there. Much less one of us. And it talks about his weapon, just the weapons. He has a, a javelin and a spear and this other weapon. And when you read about these weapons, one of them has like this, like these weights at the end of it. And it's said that if he, Goliath was so strong, if he threw it, it would not only pierce a bronze shield, but also the armor mail and the, and the, and the, and the armor plating that the person would be wearing who's holding the shield. I mean, you can imagine big old Goliath, you know, he's, he's probably clumsy, let's be honest. You know, big, a guy that big. Goes running at him, and he you know, unleashes his spear, and you're like, "Oh, I got this!" And then all of a sudden, it's just like through you, and you're like, "What happened?" I mean, that's the kind of power that the Israelites—they're seeing this, they're seeing this, and it, they're terrified. I mean, they are just terrified. Okay, so Jesse has some of his sons on the front line, and he's he's worried that they don't have food because they've been there a while, stalemating. So he calls in his only son, who's not there, and he calls him in, calls David in from the field, and he says, hey, David, I, I put some food together. We go, we go down and serve your brothers. Get, go bring him some food. So David, who's been out with the animals, goes down, and, he's, uh, and, he, and, he, and he gets there about the time that Goliath is doing his little, you know, smack talk, basically, is what's going on, to Israel. So he's smack talking to Israel that morning. He did it for 40 days in a row, and Israel's just like, uh-uh, I'm not going down there, no way. Uh-uh. Well, David hears it, and he goes, who is this uncircumcised person who yells these things at the living God? He attacks his manhood right away, which is just like a dude, isn't it, in battle? Oh, yeah? You think you're tough? You got your spears? You got everything? Oh, yeah? Well, what about this? It's basically what David does, right? He does. Okay, so anyway, so David hears this. David hears this, and he's like, what's going on here? What, what are you so afraid of? This guy is defiling the holy and the living God, and we're, we're not doing anything. And so David just gets back to Saul, that David's kind of saying these things, like, I'm not afraid. Like, this guy, he's nothing. He's coming against the living God. David never even saw Goliath. He never even looked at him. Because David had learned something about himself out in the wilderness and about God out in the wilderness that, that it's not what we see that makes us powerful. It's what's happened in David's heart. It's who he knows is fighting with him and for him that he understands where victory will come from. David's response in 1 Samuel 17, 26, he stood to the men who stood by them. What shall be done of the man who kills the Philistine and takes the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? 
David didn't care what Goliath looked like. David didn't care how big he seemed to be, how powerful he looked. He had learned to trust, not with a sight, not to see in the natural, but rather what he knew to be true in his heart about the Almighty and the living God. Saul, Saul sins for him, and, he call, and, and David comes to Saul, and David says this to Saul, and this is a great line. And he says this in 1 Samuel 17, 31. David said to Saul, let no man's heart, he's saying this to the king of the nation of Israel, let no man's heart fail because of Goliath. Don't let anyone get worried. Saul, don't worry about this. Don't worry about Goliath. Don't, don't let your heart be upset about this. Your servant, I'll go and fight the Philistine. And then Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war his whole, <laughs> from his youth. And I, the picture I get is kind of like, oh, laddie, you're mere nihatura grasshopper, aren't you? You know? You want to go fight the soldier? Very good then, you know? That's kind of the picture we get, and he's kind of brushing him off. Why? <laughs> I know. You're laughing at my accent more than you are my illustration. Why? Because Saul is making his decisions like everybody else. He looks at David and he sees in the flesh, in the natural, there's no hope for David. And as a good king, I would probably do this. I mean, my whole nation's at stake here. But then David says this. David says, let me find it. The Lord will deliver me. From the Paul, wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Just wait a second. So David reassures him, and he reassures him in the natural, and he tells Saul a story. He says, Saul, look. He says, I've been attacked. I've been, I've been taking care of sheep. And whenever these sheep come up, I mean, I mean, when these lions come up, they, they grab the sheep, and they'll put them in their mouth, and they take them away, and, and I'll defend them. I've defended my sheep against lions who have come. I've defended my sheep against bears that have come. He's trying to reassure Saul. And so Saul says, okay, okay. Well, then you can go do this. And it made me think, how did David learn that lesson? What was, what, I mean, did it all of a sudden, David's like, you know, like, throwing rocks in the stream, playing with the sheep, and a lion kind of comes into camp? No. I don't think that's the way it happened. You see, the way I think David prepared himself was David had a sling because shepherds carried slings. And he started, you know, and there was like a desert hedgehog that came into camp. Oh, like, oh, look at that hedgehog. And he started trying to use a sling to hit the hedgehog. And then there's like this kind of fox. It's the smallest fox in the world. I bet that little fox wandered into camp. When the Lord thought David could handle him, he might have scared him off with his staff or might have gotten a sling out and tried to throw a rock at him. Probably didn't even hit him. Probably just like scared him. Right? That's how it would have happened. Is that David would have started practicing with the skill set he knew he needed to defend the flock. David would have been faithful with the little bit of expectation that God had, the little bit of talent, the little bit of his ability, the little bit of his gifting that God had given him. He would have started practicing with that. 
And the Lord would have only let the, only would have let the animals in that David could handle, that would cause David to start to trust in the Lord, to rely on the Lord. So we have two things. David's work and his diligence to be faithful with the gifts, talents, and abilities that he'd been given, but ultimately learning that whose battle is it? The battle belongs to the Lord. And so eventually, yes, there would have been a fox, there would have been a desert cat. It's kind of the hedgehog, fox, desert cat. It's kind of the pecking order in the desert of Israel. I learned that on Google. I didn't even know they had bears in the desert. That's terrifying. Could you imagine, like, you're walking across the Sahara Desert, and here comes Grizzly Bear? Whoa! But that happened. That happened to David. A bear came in. One day, a bear would have come in, grabbed a sheep, and David would have picked up a sling without even thinking it, and fired a rock at him and stopped him somehow with a rock and a sling. And then, eventually, the king of the beasts, when God felt like David was ready, would have come in, grabbed a sheep, and David, without hesitation, would have done what he'd always done, what he had learned to do. Oh, Lordy, you're going to help me with this one. Wham. And then David went on to say, when I didn't kill them, I would go grab them by their whiskers and put them down. Imagine the faith. We begin to ask the question, I hope, was David really the underdog in this fight? Are we really the underdog that we almost pretend or like to be seen as? Or are we like David? David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, delivered me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, the Lord be with you. And then there's the battle. Goliath's down there. Goliath, it says, is down there with his little armor bearer, holding the shield, which doesn't make sense because infantry soldiers didn't have shield bearers like that, only archers and slingers like David would have had an armor bearer. But Saul's, or, uh, Goliath's down there. And here comes David down into the valley. And this is what happens. Saul, or David, Goliath, one of the three, says this to David. And the Philistines said to David, 1 Samuel 17, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistines said to David, come to me and I will give you, I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And he's just, just taunting him. Just saying, like, what are you doing? You, do I look like a dog to you? You're coming with sticks? And then this is David's response. You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies, and this is what's awesome about David. He doesn't say, and when I do that, I'm not going to just give your body to the birds of the air. I'm going to give the bodies of all the Philistines that we will kill today 
to the birds of the air. They were all listening. And David, right now, takes it away. Again, the whole time he's like, it's not about me, it's about God. You've defied God. You've done this to God. And when I kill you, we're going to kill your nation, and it will be a testimony of God's power. And he goes on to say that. And I'll give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. Dude, why do we fear anything? If this is true of David and it's true of us. For David, this is all about God and everyone knowing who really is fighting, who has the power. You know, Whitney comes up. My uncle got colon cancer. I prayed for him and his power healed him. That's crazy. That is, like there's no power in this world like that. There's no physical power like that in this world. That is, that's the kind of power that we have been entrusted with. What is a giant that could stand up to the power of God like that? What are the giants in your life that could possibly rival the power of the living God that lives in you, that you have been given in the same way that David had been given? And then the battle happens. It says, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistines. David put his hand into the bag, out of stone, put it in a sling. He slung it, struck Goliath in the head, and he fell. We don't know if he killed him or what, or if he stunned him, but it hit him in the forehead. And he prevailed over the, uh, the Philistine with a sling, with a stone, and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword, the Philistine, took Goliath's sword, cut off his head. When the Philistines saw this, they wet themselves and ran. <laughs> That's not in the word. I added that just to be clear, but I'm pretty sure it happens something like that. Let me tell you why David... Some of the things that we don't realize are happening here. Why David is more powerful than we really imagine. In an army back in the day, there were three kinds of soldiers. There was a cavalry soldier on horse or chariot. There was an infantry soldier, like the Marines, like a foot soldier. that would have shields, knives, and and hand-to-hand combat guy. And then there were slingers and archers, projectile soldiers. And it was kind of like rock, paper, scissors. They all had an advantage of, over the other one, and it balanced out an army, okay? Slingers had the advantage over infantry because they were much quicker, they did not have armor on, and they could strike from far away. And it was harder for them with, with horses and chariots because they moved so fast. But let me tell you about a slinger that David was. You see, David, I'm convinced, all the time knew that he was fighting an infantryman because of who Goliath was, he was taunting him, and knew all the time that he was going to fight him as a slinger. 
an accurate slinger. A slinger is someone who could take a rock, put it in a sling, and kill from 200 yards away an animal. We know this about their accuracy, that they could hit birds flying in the air with their rock. We know that their rock would have been traveling at approximately 35 meters per second, based on what scientists have learned. Therefore, recently, they've done ballistic testing on what the ballistics would have been on David's rock. And they say it would have been equal to a modern-day handgun. You know what they say, you never take a knife to a gunfight. And that's exactly what Goliath had done. We'd love to think as David as the underdog. We'd love to associate ourselves with powerlessness, to push it off, to not take responsibility for the price of what has been given to us, the power and the authority. But God says, no, you are never, ever the underdog. You are the warrior. You are the victim. I have equipped you and given you power that is from the living God. I mean, imagine that. David's fully confident because he knows slingers always beat infantry. And what historians say is that when David ascended into the valley, that every army member on both sides of the ridge would have known the battle was over when David pulled out a sling. It's that lopsided of a deal. And this is what we know. What we don't know about Goliath for sure is this, is that there's speculation in the medical community that Goliath had acromegalia. It's this, it's this disease that makes you tall. The tallest man in the world had it. A lot of tall people get it. And one of the things that happens with this disease is it presses on your pituitary gland makes you grow really big. But one of the things that also happens is it makes you double-sided, makes you see blurry. It makes you very near-sighted. You can't, you can't see things. And when David's coming to him, he says, why do you come at me with sticks? Am I a dog? But David only has one stick. And so there's speculation that Goliath had this disease. Why did he need an armor bearer? No infantry man would ever have an armor bearer. But Goliath did. To carry his shield, was it too heavy? No, this guy was strong. They believed that maybe it was because he had to lead him, that Goliath was so blind he couldn't barely walk. Why does he tell David, come near to me? Because I can't see you from far away. Why was David, or why was Goliath not worried when he should have been, when he saw the slinger? And he taunted him still. This is all speculation. But my point is this, and I think it's obvious, based on the strengths that we know for a fact about David, is that he was not the underdog that Goliath was. And so are most of the things that we come up with in life. They are not as powerful as we believe. The giants in our life are not as powerful as we allow them to be. The giants in our life are not what they seem. But that has a lot more to do with who we are and our strength. God's desire, like David, is in each of us to be a testimony of his power to the world, to slay the greatest giants that we face. And that happens by believing, first and foremost, that this is a spiritual battle. And that's what David knew. Brian talked last week or two weeks ago on intercession that this is a spiritual battle. If we try to fight the giants in our life with conventional means, 
with our own ability, with our own strength, with our own discipline, with our own power all the time, and we don't realize it's a spiritual battle, we will lose. And we have been losing. Ephesians 6 says this, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all, stand firm. Prayer, intercession, prayer ministry, spending time with God, spending time in your word, cultivating a relationship with Jesus Christ, hearing his voice like we've heard people talk about, him leading in our life, in the quiet places, in the same way that David cultivated this faith, this confidence, this power, believing in the Lord, it happened away from the public eye. It happened in solitude with his flock, obediently learning to trust the Lord. But then we also see David becoming very disciplined in his life. Oh, I just want to be led by the Spirit. I just want to kind of show up on the scene. Rocks fly out of my pocket. You know? I don't want, no, I don't want to have to pick up a sling. I don't want to have to throw a rock. I don't have to, no. No, that's not what being led by the Spirit means. Being led by the Spirit means we believe the battle is the Lord, that the faith is in the Lord. But we are called to be disciplined in our life. We are called to be strategic in our life. We are called to act with wisdom in our life. We are called to run from sin. We are called to get away from things that we know will affect our ability to have faith. And so it's both and, not either or. You know, our evangelicals in the church, as we're a bridge church, need to learn to know that the battle is a spiritual one. And be led and empowered by the Spirit. But then a lot of our charismatics need to know you need to get off your butt and get going. And be disciplined and just don't show up. And not doing anything. Cooperating. Co-laboring with God for his victory. For his glory. David was very disciplined with the talents that God had given him. The gifts that God had given him. The physical stature. The ability that God had given him. He leveraged all of that for God's sake. Knowing that the power, that the battle was always the Lord still. His deliverance always came from the Lord. And then lastly, don't make excuses any longer for the giants that you've been facing. Don't give them that credit because it discredits our Lord. Engage the giants in your life. What are the giants in your life? What are the greatest things in your life this morning that you want to have victory over, that you want God to release you from, that you want to slay. Let's stand and bring that to the Lord. So in ministry time, this is what we do. If you heard a testimony today and you thought, I want to experience that, I want to hear words like that, I want to be led like that, I have cancer, I need to be healed, like Whitney talked about, and Whitney needs to be praying today for physical healing. I want to experience those things. I want those things. I have this giant. No one knows about it, but I got it, you know. I'm, I'm, that's a hypothetical. But I'm just saying that, and you want God to take it out. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Okay, no, but seriously, like this is the day where you can have victory over whatever it is that you've been afraid of. What are the giants in your life that you're afraid of? What are the giants in your life that have caused you to be afraid? Let's allow the Lord to come this morning to the power of the Spirit. Let him rush into you to fill you with hope again. That that giant is not unconquerable. That you are the powerful one in the situation. You are filled with the Spirit. 
the living God is inside of you. So let's do that right now. Just come forward. If you're on the prayer ministry team, if you'd like prayer for anything, come forward right now. We're going to minister, have prayer ministry. What is it that God wants to bring freedom to in your life today? Freedom for you. Freedom from. What is it that's been preventing you, Brian said this, from experiencing God's love? What is it in your life that maybe you haven't been able to shake for years and years? Unforgiveness, bitterness that you might have towards someone. Something that someone has done to you. Something that you maybe have done to someone else that you haven't been able to forgive yourself for. Today, you can be free from that. A physical ailment. Something that you've just become satisfied with, that you have not believed that God could heal you of because you've had it for so long. That's so easy to happen. There's a space just right over here. If you need room, right here. Just come fill that space up right there. Let's close our eyes so we're not distracted by people across from us or around us. Let's hold out our hands like we're receiving a gift. And I want to start with this picture. And if you're, not in pr- if you're not praying right now, I just encourage you to, to do this. Even if this feels a little awkward, just, I encourage, you don't have to, but if you want to, you can. Just close your eyes. Father, send your spirit now. Now imagine yourself in the valley and the giant. What is it that you see in front of you? What is it in your life that you want freedom from or that's causing you fear? Come, Holy Spirit, just... Just speak to us now. Just speak to our hearts. Reveal those things in our heart that we might not even know are shutting us down or preventing us from loving and knowing your love. Just come, Lord, right now through the power of your spirit. So you're just closing your eyes and you're imagining what is this that you want God to take? Now imagine yourself descending into the valley with Jesus next to you. And like Goliath, he is your armor bearer. He is carrying your shield. He is your shield. And he is telling you, I have already defeated this. This has already been dealt with on the cross. There is nothing that will ever separate us ever again from my love for you. I am with you. And you get down there and you look at this giant that's been in your life again and you realize he is wounded, that he has been bound by the work of the cross. And Jesus promises that he will be with you until this giant is gone. Father, we pray that you would come now through the power of your spirit. And that if you would come now and release people from these giants that have enslaved them. You would come now and bring physical healing to those who have been captured by the lie from the enemy that you are not a healing God any longer. They believed a lie that the wound that they have emotionally or spiritually is there until heaven. We break the power of those lies because we know in Christ your desire is to make us whole. Come Holy Spirit and just let that scene play out in your mind. What is it that Jesus is saying next to you as you look at that giant that's been wounded, that's been bound, is before you? What is Jesus telling you? How is he encouraging you? Come, Lord, just speak to us now.